Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your Good morning, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Good to see you today, man. You got a Bible there? I do. English Standard Version. You want me to read from it? Yeah, I think we're looking at Psalm 44 this week, aren't we? Psalm 44. Today I want to talk about grace. You like talking about grace? Always. I want to talk about a picture of God's grace. Let's see if you can hear it in this psalm, especially the first part. But today we are going to read the whole psalm. From This is one of the longer ones. We're going to read the whole psalm from uh, the English Standard Version. And then throughout the week we'll probably just pick out sections. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. that's what we're going to do today. So here it is. You ready? To the choir master... A maskal of the sons of Korah. O God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us, what deeds you performed in their days and the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You are my king, O God, ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. But... You have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples." All day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face. At the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger, all this has come upon us. Though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant, our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. That's a great psalm. There's a lot in there. By the time you're done, I'm thinking... A picture of grace? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say about this psalm. I think this is this psalm and Psalm 88 uh-huh. are the two psalms that seem to have no positive resolution. It, it's While this one begins high, it right. quickly it goes low, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come back up. And there's no statement of faith at the end saying we know how it's going to be. There's just the plea. There's just the request. It's a lot of lament. There's a lot of accusation against God. Yeah. Now, yeah. Psalm 88 is just a little bit darker mm-hmm. and a little bit lower on that scope. 
But uh, this one comes close, yeah. especially on a national level, whereas 88 seems to be more an individual level. This one seems to be more communal and congregational for the nation of Israel. However, it does start on a high. <laughs> I thought we'd talk about that today. Yeah, starting with the remembrance. What mm-hmm. I really appreciated is in verse 1, we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us. And I was struck by the value and the importance of the fathers in the previous generation to faithfully recount the mighty deeds of God to the children. So that the psalmist or these sons of Korah, they have a knowledge of God. And really it begins with that knowledge of God. Why the confusion throughout the rest of the psalm? Look what you've done for your people in the past. And when your people are faithful and covenant, and then he's going to protest as the psalm goes on, well, we're being faithful now, uh, but we're not seeing those same type of mighty actions. Again, I, I just get back to where does he say he's learned this from? faithful fathers transmitting the great deeds of God. We have heard from our fathers what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. Yeah. What a powerful picture, generational legacy, generational teaching. And it's one of those things that when we go back to Joshua and it talks about the generation that comes up not knowing God, I know what often gets said is, look at these terrible parents who didn't teach their kids. So the, the idea of not knowing God is these are just ignorant people. Like someone says Yahweh and they say, who? Who? Well, yeah. And the, the parents hadn't done their job of passing it on. I'm not sure that's the case. I, I think the idea of this generation that does not know God is not, well, our parents didn't teach us. Our parents didn't remind us. Our parents didn't establish memorials. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is you walk through the book of Joshua, there's a stone everywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, I— Pillars I once, and Ebenezer. I, I once and... tried to point out to folks that in, in Israel, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting a stone. I mean, it's just they were everywhere. These stones get set up, and what are they all for? memorials. Mm -hmm. Hey, Dad, what's that one for? Oh, that's where God provided this victory. Oh, that's where we crossed the Jordan. Oh, hither by my help I've come. That's, excuse me, hither by thy help I've come, by your help I've come. Uh, All of those things are there. They're getting passed on. When a generation arose that didn't know God is because you had a generation that arose and refused to follow the commandment, honor your father and mother. Now, it's certainly wrong for parents not to teach their children, and I'm sure there was there was plenty of that to go around throughout the various generations of Israel's history. Sure. But at the same time, we often have the faithful generation teaching the next generation, and the next generation just decides not to follow it. Yeah, when they don't know God, they don't have a relationship with God, a respect for God. They're not abiding in the covenant of God. But this generation, neither one of those is the case. We have fathers who teach, we have kids that listened, and because the children listened, they expected a certain relationship. Here in Psalm 44 now. Here in Psalm 44. Yeah. Later in the week, I want to talk about where this seemed to be falling apart and how upset that made the psalmist. But I want to stay right now in the memory, in the memory of God's grace, and I want us to see this picture of God's grace that comes in the first section of this psalm. The first section of this psalm is verses 1 through 8 that basically says... God, here's how you treated us in the past. Yeah, you drove out the nations with your hand. You planted our people there in the land. You afflicted the peoples, the nations, but you set Israel free. Yeah. And here's here's the picture I want us to see, verse 3. Here's what he says. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face... For you delighted in them. 
So with all those pronouns, we're talking about Israel, though, correct? We're talking about the fathers that God gave the promised land to. He says it wasn't by Israel's own sword. It wasn't by the generation that fought the conquest. It wasn't by their strength. It wasn't by their arm. It wasn't by their might. It was because of you, Lord Mm -hmm. God. We, we see this throughout the Old Testament as we refer back to the conquest period, even back in Joshua, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 12, when Joshua is recounting what had happened throughout the conquest. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 12, listen to what Joshua is, is told. And I, this is God speaking, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Boy, that sounds like the language of Psalm 44, doesn't it? Not by your sword, not by your bow. Mm -hmm. So let's walk through this. And I think this is important because I think this helps us understand the picture of God's grace. We know in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Mm -hmm. Here in Psalm 44, they talk about boasting in God. Verse 8, in God we have boasted continually, and we will ever give thanks to your name. For this thing that you did, bringing our people into the land, we know it wasn't by their sword, we know it wasn't by their bow, it was by your grace, it was by your strength, it was by your power. Right, right. Now here's my question for you, Andrew. Okay. Did the Israelites have to take up the sword and the bow? Boy, when I read the book of Joshua, I saw there were many occasions where they took up swords and they took up bows. So there was fight. There Mm -hmm. was battle. Mm -hmm. There was loss of life among the Israelites. Yeah, There was effort. Mm -hmm. There was action. They used their swords and their bows. But in multiple places, God says it wasn't because of your sword and your bow. And the people say it wasn't because of our sword and bow. It's because of God. What's happening here? Yeah, yeah. So... We recognize they had to use these implements of battle. Right. And I know that. The reason I know that is because back in Numbers 14, there was a generation that decided not to use these implements of battle. There was a generation in Numbers 14 that was not trusting that God would faithfully give him give them their land. I was rereading some of that. You know, I was I was noticing that there's this entire different picture of God than the gracious God and the God of faithful promise presented to the people of Israel. When the spies came back from the land in Numbers 13 and verse 31, they gave a report like this. We are not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we. In chapter 14 and verse Two, it says, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? They're talking about a God who has brought them to a place to die and execute them through all these hardships. Not a God who's keeping his word and blessing them with a promised land. And because they did not take up their sword and their bow and go to take the land, Mm -hmm. what did they not get? They did not get the land. They did not get the land. What's really fascinating is in Numbers 14, at the end of Numbers 14, after God has pronounced the judgment upon them, Mm -hmm. the children of Israel say, okay, 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 all right, all right, you're right, you're right. We're sorry, we'll go fight. We'll go fight. Yeah. 
and they pick up their sword and their bow and they go and they get defeated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the God was not with them. Mm-hmm. The Bible clearly says God didn't go with them. Moses didn't go with them. They didn't take the ark. All of this is representing that God and his strength and his power and his victory were not there. So even though they took their swords and their bows, they could not win the victory. Mm -hmm. They had to have God. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, next generation, finally coming to the land. What did they have to do? They had to pick up their swords and their bows and go take the land. Why were they successful when that previous generation picking up their swords and bows was not successful? I see that these were people who trusted and obeyed God when he told them to move. They went. He said, I've given you this land. Pick up your sword and bow. Go take it. Now, how does all this fit together and how does it fit with Ephesians chapter 2? Here's what I'm seeing. You can let me know if you think I'm all washed up on this. They could not win the victory apart from God. Mm -hmm. God had to win that victory for them. But they had to step up and take the land. Mm -hmm. It wasn't by their sword and bow. When they got done fighting the fight, they couldn't say, look at this great victory we had accomplished. They couldn't turn to God and say, hey, God, did you see what we did for you? What they would have to do is turn to God and thank you, Lord, mm-hmm. for doing this for us. Mm-hmm. But they still had to take up their sword and bow. This removal of boasting is not saying that we have done nothing. Mm-hmm. It is saying that God did the saving work. Mm-hmm. I have to meet his conditions. I have to pick up the sword and bow. I have to believe. I have to surrender. I have to give my allegiance. And when it's done, I don't get to boast. Any victories I have, I don't get to talk about, Lord God, look at all I've done for you. I give God the thanks because he is the one that's winning the victory. And in this first segment, we see that picture of God's grace. Absolutely. Our great, gracious God. We're so excited to be talking about Psalm 44 this week. Hope you'll join us for every conversation. Rate the podcast, share it with a friend, send us an email, let us know what you're uh, learning from the text. Christian, excuse me, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. The email address is text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day. We thank you for the time that we might open your your word and consider, Father, this psalm. Uh, so much going on in this psalm. And, and Father, we know that we're going to know you better for having spent this time. We are impressed upon your grace, the mighty deeds and works that you did for Israel and through Israel. Father, how that mirrors your great plan of salvation in Jesus Christ and his gospel for your people today. We pray, Father, that we would trust and obey you, but know you are gracious. You give the victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.